Autistic Delicatessen. We are your hosts, Arnell and Onikage. Our podcast provides various stories from various food personalities and restaurants around the world. Every food tells a story. We are both on the autism spectrum and love to share our love of food. So what better way to express that is to find guests involved in the food industry and to talk about all things food and their stories. Today's guest is Bill Wharton aka The Sauce Boss. Bill, a one-man band, provides slide guitar music with a fusion of funk and blues, or swamp funk, and gives away free gumbo at his concerts. He also provides liquid summer hot sauce, also an important ingredient for the gumbo. He provides a dual experience with music and food, bringing people together. And now, before we get into our conversation with Bill, Oni, I just want to get into the fact of offhand you were saying that you and your partner have a collection of hot sauces. We do. It's not a huge selection at the moment. We're kind of just starting kind of thing. We've noticed a few cheap shops called B&M have like little collections of hot sauces. Get them quite cheap, but they're like various flavours and so many kinds. We only got two hot sauces because they have shapes of skulls. Skull jars. They're adorable. And one's like a chorizo and one is... Oh, I can't remember the other one. No, garlic. That's what it is. One is a garlic hot sauce and one is a chorizo. We've yet to try them. But speaking of hot sauce, we have been experimenting with sriracha and everything. But it's sriracha of extra garlic. I thought I'd buy it to experiment because I love sriracha and I've not had it in ages. And my partner, he's like, mmm, it's hot sauce. Mm. He doesn't mind putting hot things, but he's not overly crazy with the spiciness. But he adds it in food to give it flavour or a bit of a kick, like with chilies and such. And oh. ever since he tried it with extra garlic, because we're both fans of garlic, he's been putting it into a lot of recipes like bolognese, chilli. There's a few more. Oh, lasagna. He put it in a lasagna. It was oh, okay. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> lasagna is yeah. one of my favourite foods and he added it in that. And I'm just like, this is yeah. amazing. And he's like, that's a winner. You know, Oni, I'm not really much of a hot sauce guy, you know. I'm more of like, I like mild sauces. Because I remember I went to this place called Tijuana Flats. And what they would do is they would have like different types of hot sauces. Like along with like, you know, of course getting tacos and getting different Mexican type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And they would have stuff going from the mild sauce to like more of like the hottest of the hot sauces. I would never try that. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to tempt fate on that. So it's like, okay, pass up. And then just go for, like, the mild sauces, you know? Because I like something that's more of, like, a small kick right there. And, you know, that I can be able to taste to where it's not going to burn something in my mouth Mm. or something like that, you know? So I'm not really of that in some cases because I've had different dishes that would have that. Yeah, it's just, for me, I try to stay away from the hot sauce, basically. How did you and your partner, or was it your partner that first got the connecting hot sauce stuff, or was it you? I think it might have been me. Fun fact, when I was a child, I used to hate spicy foods, full stop. I couldn't handle them. And now I've grown to a liking to them and I can handle them to an extent. Mm -hmm. I'm not hardcore. If it's Mm -hmm. like really spicy, I'm like, I need water, I need milk. (laughs) But 
the best spicy sauces, I don't mind things with a kick, but the best spicy sauces, if it is really spicy, are ones with flavour. If it's just spicy for no reason, that's just novelty. That's novelty uh. sauce. It's not a good sauce. I mean, Tabasco sauce has like a peppery taste, but it's nice with stuff, like with like cheese or crackers or something. But one of my favourite sauces is a Korean fire chicken sauce, Bodak. Or the Bodak Bokunyeon ramen noodles. They have like a very thick sauce that you put in the noodles. It tastes amazing, but it's spicy as hell. It's like hellfire noodles. It's like one of the spiciest noodles in the world. Not the spiciest, but on the top five. It's really spicy. And I can't eat it on its own. I've tried. I put mayonnaise on it. Mayonnaise dulls the spiciness, but makes it creamy and tastes amazing. It's still got a kick, but it's tolerable. This is going to sound like a funny question, but do you think that there's any hot sauces from Scotland that you've tried, or Scotland's not known for that, or are they? Or I wouldn't be surprised if there is some. I need to have a look into that, because I wouldn't be surprised, and... No, in Scotland, they'd probably have silly names. <laughs> I mean, like, spicy sauces have, like, really edgy names, like Satan's Pit or things like that. <laughs> I, can't think of any, like, I can't think of anything. That's Satan. just an example. But it's, like, names like that, like Satan or Hellfire or just things like that. And you're like, oh, that sounds amazing. It sounds horrible, but I want to try it. Because, <laughs> you know, what? it sounds like one of those, like, you know, one of those, like, street preachers that say, like, hell is nigh, and then it's like, Hot sauce fire hell is it that gets nigh and just it, I just I can just imagine like somebody in Scotland just oh. shouting that or something like that. That could be a good sales gimmick, you know, so yeah. You know, Oni, have Ooh. you ever been to an event at times or a family gathering where when the song comes on, it's like Oh no. Oh my gosh. What cheesy music do you listen to or seem to be connected with or whatever? <laughs> Um, I do listen to the occasional cheesy pop song from the 90s, but I have to be in the mood for cheesy music. If I hear it when I'm out and about, for example, if it's like the Venga Boys playing, you're just like, oh god, here we go. But if it's like a party or something and everyone's got a few drinks on them, it's like, hey, Venga Boys and all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just yeah, depends usually... on your mood and the mindset. If it's like a whole nostalgia party, it's like, oh, I remember this tune. But when it's like just playing in the shop and usually in the shop is music you don't want to hear and you're just like, oh, or if someone else wants to play it and you're like, I'm not in the mood right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's actually a CD um, that was released oh, probably over 10 years ago. My God, it's a long time ago, but it's called The Ultimate Cheese Party. <laughs> and it's like all of the cheesy tunes you hear in parties and that, like YMCA, The Time Warp, The Fast Food Song, Last Ketchup Song, Say Cheese. Oh, oh yeah, I, I remember the ketchup Kylie. song, yes. You know, like that. that's the point thing. And I always thought, just from the name itself, the ketchup song. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, uh, oh, it's like the ideal cheesy song. She's, some good tunes, like Rhythm of the Night, like classic, but then there's like really bad stuff like the Macarena, and you're like, oh, oh God, like, let, let, no. let, me tell, let me tell you something. The first time I heard the Macarena was actually when I was in, um, I think it was my last year in fifth grade or something like that. It was during like a elementary school assembly. And I heard it, and at first I liked it. It was from Los Del Rio. And I remember I saw, back in the day, I saw the music video on MTV, like, like I think it was on Saturday morning or something like that. But then after it was playing a lot, it was just kind of like, okay, that's enough. Because I recently was at, like, some type of, it was like a pizza party after a church service at Imagine Church. 
and they played the Macarena, and I just thought to myself, no, no. The nowadays a cover is Gangnam Style, and you're just like, oh, kill me, because you hear it so many times. Most songs, though, that I do relate to food, I usually parody, like Weird Yao Yankovic, or oh, yeah. even like Psycho Stick. This is not a song, it's a sandwich. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the thing that comes to mind for Weird Al Yankovic in terms of like food is the song that he parodied of Michael Jackson's I'm Bad, saying, I'm fat, I'm fat. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. yeah. And Eat It as well. Eat oh, it. Eat It, Eat It. Oh, that's another one. Eat It! Have some more chicken. Have some more pie. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's boiled or fried. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's. Nah, it's, it's good. But it's amazing how music and food, even if it's just two separate topics, they can make merge well together with the whole experience. Like even just when you're out in a restaurant, you hear music, and it's like the music creates the ambience, the food creates the experience. It's like a, a married couple scenario, which is a great theme for this episode. It's like music, food, together, community. <laughs> yes, definitely. And speaking of food togetherness and community, up next is our conversation with Bill Wharton, aka The Sauce Balls. So stay tuned, you guys. Skyping in from Monticello, Florida, is Bill Wharton, aka The Sauce Boss. He has a current release out entitled Blind Boy Billy, as well as a memoir slash songbook slash cookbook entitled The Life and Times of Blind Boy Billy. So here on the Autistic Delicatessen, he's going to give us the gospel of gumbo. So Bill, how are you doing this morning? Very well. How are you? Very good. Very good. Um, that's good. I'm not bad either. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first things that I've noticed is that you have a hot sauce. Um, could you explain the summer hot sauce and the story behind it? Well, I've always enjoyed hot sauce. But back in, I guess it was um, in the mid-80s, I found uh, a pepper. A friend of mine brought me a pepper called the Daddle Pepper. D-A-T-I-L, which is a cousin of the habanero. But it's a little bit, uh, it's just a tiny bit more mellow, and it has kind of a creeper burn that comes up slow, and it's, it's an amazing pepper for using and all kind of stuff, but mainly in sauce, because it has a kind of, uh, it approaches you rather than hits you. It comes up slow, and it gives you all that time to taste whatever else is in the food that you put it on. And then you taste the pepper coming up after that. And I was really intrigued by it, and I started kind of um, messing around with a, a recipe, and I started making hot sauce just for myself. And my friends would come to my house, and they would uh, eat up all my hot sauce. I would make like a couple of gallons of it, and it'd be gone in a few weeks. And so I was thinking, well, if all these people, they're friends of mine, they come over and eat up all my hot sauce, I'm going to put it in a bottle and sell it to them. And so I actually started carrying it around to the gigs with me. I'm a musician, and so I uh, started carrying it with me wherever I went, and I began selling a lot of it. Originally, I kind of started it as a joke, you know, hey, I have my own hot sauce now, but it really took off. So 
liquid summer hot sauce became just part of my whole thing, my life. And I never dreamed that it would be such a big part, but it's an amazing pepper. And so basically I wanted to share it. And so that's kind of what I do with my music and my food and everything. I like to share. What got you started with mixing in the gumbo with your live stage shows? Because if I'm correct, I was reading in your bio that you started this back in 1990. Well, you know, I was carrying it around with me and I would have a little spiel about how liquid summer will change your life and all this stuff. A little snake oil routine, if you will. And I would take it and I'd put a little bit of it on a chip or a cracker and pass out little samples. But you know, the sauce is really distinctive, especially when you actually cook with it. And I was in the studio. Rafael Neal was also doing sessions. And uh, he's a guy from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh. an old blues guy. And uh, he's the father of Kenny Neal. And um, Rafael's wife was making gumbo, you know, in the kitchen. And I watched her like a hawk. It was like, hey, this could be an interesting thing to use to make gumbo at a gig, you know. So I decided to make it at New Year's Eve going into 1990, and I decided to make it on stage, and I did. And 200,000 bowls of gumbo later, here we are. And all that time, I made gumbo, and I've never charged a penny for it. I've always given it away, and it's kind of like I say, I like to share, and it's kind of like my message. And, you know, it's more than just a message of sharing. Gumbo is many, many different things. We are all different, but if we get together and work together, we make something good. And it's the same with gumbo. The guys in New Orleans and uh, all over Louisiana who, like, invented gumbo were of many different ethnicities. The French people brought the roux, and uh, the American natives brought the uh, sassafras, and the Africans brought the okra, which, I mean, if you say gumbo in Nigeria, they believe you are talking about the little vegetables, the okra. And then there's also other things. There's German influence, all kind of stuff that have gone into the pot. And so what it is, it's many cultures making something and that's the beauty of many different cultures making something that's very good and so it's a thing that we could uh, take this lesson from the people of louisiana and new orleans and baton rouge and just apply it to our lives you know because the thing about it is is in the u.s it's a melting pot it's our greatest thing that we have i believe and lately it's become to where the different cultures are sort of at odds with each other and diversity is an incredible gift and it's not something that should be thought of as being weird or something it's like you walk down the street you see somebody that's different and when i walk down the street and i see somebody's different i say hey man you're different that's pretty cool instead of hey you're different you should be behind the wall or something you know what i'm saying so uh what my whole thing with gumbo has been inclusive like i say i've made gumbo for over two hundred thousand people a few at a time you know just at my job when i play music in all that time, I've only had one rule. My rule is that my gumbo is for everyone.
I do appreciate the whole mixing hot sauce into various kind of foods. Me and my partner have been doing that for a while, for a few months, with spicy hot sauces. We're slowly trying to collect a few. And we've been adding sriracha into a lot of foods, and my partner loves to cook, so... <laughs> The whole food brings people together thing is fantastic. And what better way for you is music and food. It's a, just an experience that everyone can enjoy. And I've heard the Blind Boy Billy album and I think it's pretty great. <laughs> it's quite a great entertaining experience. Uh, I noticed, even though it's basically blues, I noticed there was, with the violins and that, kind of had a bluegrass kind of element to it as well. I thought it was a pretty nice fusion. You know, I like to mix it up a little bit it's like a recipe hmm. of different styles it's mainly blues that's where my singing comes from and that's where my uh, most of my experience is but i guess you would call it the planet soup if you will of things from all over the world i've traveled quite extensively and i don't try to put blinders on in terms of my artistic writing I try to be inclusive of different uh, styles and stuff. And the food and the music together makes community. Because when I play, I invite people, come on up, stir the gumbo. And the actual stirring of the gumbo and the mixed media, of you can smell it, you can taste it. It blurs the boundaries to where there aren't any between audience and performer. It just makes it a very community kind of a thing between people. It's not just me standing up on a pedestal or regurgitating the things that I've rehearsed. Because for me and my music, the live show is my main thing. It's the place where the major energy is exchanged between people. Because, I mean, you know, records or LPs, whatever, CDs are good for kind of a remembrance of what it is. Or it's a shell that conjures up that thing that happened. But if you are there and you are part of it, then it's a very different thing. Because what it is, is the audience and the performer feeds on each other. And it just becomes a thing that grows and snowballs into the evening. But at the end... When everybody's sitting there and all of a sudden the conversation kind of gets to this place where there's not a whole lot of people talking because everybody's eating and they're gratifying themselves. This is my favorite time of the day. You also translate that into your nonprofit organization called Planet Gumbo, which at your shows, you always have the bucket to where people can donate to the organization and you do these shows for the homeless tell us how you got started with that and how does it make you feel as an artist to be able to entertain these people that so many times get passed up or something or don't really have much food to eat well i'm stirring the gumbo at every show just about and i'm thinking golly man this is great at the end of the show there's a big old line of people Everybody comes up to the gumbo pot and gets a bowl of gumbo. And I'm thinking there's got to be some kind of way for me to put some of this energy that all these people have brought to my show and put some of that energy back into the community. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. And so I took the show to a homeless shelter. And since that time, I've played homeless shelters all over the U.S., some in Canada. And it's an amazing experience there are some of these people that i've played for that have never been to a concert and the thing about it is is 
what it does for me is <laughs> I'm the recipient here. <laughs> These people are the ones that are giving me something. Don't get me wrong. I work hard and I work hard for these people, but it's a two-way street. And I believe that I've gotten so much great experience and just I've met so many good people. Just because someone is homeless does not mean that they don't have something to offer. And so that's my thing with Planet Gumbo. And so, yeah, we take up a little collection and what it does gets me a room for the night and buy some ingredients and that's it. It's a 501c3, you know, but I've never gotten a uh, salary or anything for it because what I get from it is worth more than money to me. I would not sully it with money. The thing about it is, is what it is, is a very, like I say, between performance and the audience, no matter who it is, it's a major exchange of energy. And that's what music does for people. So for me, it's just the cream the cherry on the top, you know, of my life is to be able to take what I have and to share it with people. That is pretty cool, doing something more charitable as well. And everyone deserves to have that kind of experience and with food and music and having a good time and just wonderful to hear. It's great to hear more wholesome things like this in the world. This may be an odd question, but what drink would pair well with food that includes your liquid summer sauce? Well, I think gumbo and the hot sauce is great with beer. <laughs> ah, <figured. laughs> uh, so I have people that have put it in a shot of whiskey, you know, because beer is good with food and it's hearty. There's a lot of different things in gumbo. There's like the gumbo that I make. It's got okra and onions, peppers. It's got seafood. It's got chicken. And so beer is, I guess, my favorite to do with gumbo. That's awesome. I'm more of a cider than a beer drinker. <laughs> but I can imagine it. I can imagine it pairing it well. <laughs> oh, I think cider would be fine with gumbo. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get the moniker, the Sauce Boss? You know, obviously you have the hot sauce, but did you have any other names before Sauce Boss, or did that just come immediately? Well, I've pretty much been called everything under the sun. And I was playing in this place down in Miami called Tobacco Road. It was actually a place where Al Capone hung out. It was a speakeasy during Prohibition. And I was playing there, and I had my hot sauce there. And I started going into my spiel, you know, Liquid Summer will cure everything you have. Before I found Liquid Summer, I was just another blues singer. And now I'm making a lot of money selling this stuff. You can get in on it. Thanks to the Liquid Summer Pyramid Plan, we're all going to be filthy rich. I'm talking about you and you and me and me. And all of a sudden, I was selling like lots of sauce. I was selling cases of sauce. So I had a friend at the end of the bar and he said, you the sauce boss. And I said, Yep, you're right about that. That's how it happened. You have your current, I mentioned in the first part, the memoir that you have called The Life and Times of Blind Boy Billy. So how did you come up with that book to have it be a memoir, a songbook, as well as a cookbook? Well, so I was working on Blind Boy Billy, and I thought, you know, people have been trying to get me to write my memoir for a long time because... I've had a very interesting life in many different ways, not only in music. 
I've had something of a checkered past also. One time I was very, very adept at growing cannabis and some of the best cannabis in North Florida, as a matter of fact, and had many, many adventures uh, related to that, you know, high-speed chase, etc. So anyway, I'm something of a legend. And so I thought I should write some of this stuff down. But, you know, what I've noticed over the years is that my music is autobiographical. I just write about what I know about. And so I thought I could mix stuff up here like the gumbo and mix the songs, the music, photographs and my life. And so what I did is I made a memoir that is partially musical, partially culinary, because all of the music and all of the recipes and all of the songs actually follow the storyline of my life. And as a matter of fact, in the book, there's a little address you can go to, okay, on the worldwide interweb. If you go to that address, when you're reading the actual book part of it, when you get to the songs, you can just tap the thing and you can hear the music. So, and also you can make a recipe. It's sort of like all things sauce boss. It's the way to really experience this book is to actually read a little bit of it, listen to the music, and maybe stop and make one of the recipes. And incidentally, the recipes are dynamite. They're my best recipes. The whole thing is just a tour de force, if you will, of what I am all about. My whole thing is blurring the edges because, I mean, why does everything have to be in a cubbyhole? Why does everything have to be in a box? Like with my music or my art, you know, I do art also. And it all is the same, whether I'm cooking a dish that I invent or writing a song that I make or doing a a mixed media kind of visual art thing that I do. It's for me, it's just my life. I'm an artist. Whatever form it takes is whatever I'm doing today. It's just all the same to me. You're very into okra. With the homeless, it's okra. With the people, it's okra. Like, what is it about okra? Okra is gumbo. And I've never been able to verify this, but I heard this thing. It may be legend. It may be, you know, something. But I heard that Africans, when they first came to America, brought okra woven into their hair because of all the stuff that they bring. The Africans that came to America first, they didn't have a lot of stuff to bring because they were mostly all slaves. Oh, yeah. I know that story. Okay. So one of the things I know they brought was okra. And okra has all kinds of health benefits. And okra also is responsible for the thickening of the soup. Of the gumbo. I've got a thing. It's like okra from the motherland. Okra on the other hand. Okra (laughs) in the frying pan, you know. And this is, again, my thing of just taking what I have and just mixing it in the pot. Musically and, you know, health-wise and artistically and everything. And part of what I do is it's like the primal artist okay because i just take what i have and i do it from Mm -hmm. where i am yeah but i just happen to be in a place where i 
have been able to view the world from my vantage point. And I've had a humble beginning. And so I've never lost sight of that. That's why I go to homeless shelters. And that's why whenever I talk to people, I look them in the eye. And whenever I have time at the end of the evening, when everybody's getting their gumbo, I will go down there. I'll shake everybody's hand in the whole place, you know, and I'll say thank you for coming because it's more than just going and reciting something and taking the money and leaving. It's about this thing that we have together. No matter what your station in life is, the thing that is a true exchange of energy is what music is. And what I do to make music culinarily, I don't think that's a word, but I just said it anyway. The pot is music. The okra and everything that we do in the evening, it's music. You can check out Bill's book, The Life and Times of Blind Boy Billy, as well as his latest release, Blind Boy Billy, at sauceboss.com. So, Bill, we thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast, The Autistic Delicatessen, and really just giving us a wealth of interesting information about gumbo, about music, and really just about how to be just yourself and out of the box. Well, I've got to say thank you both so much for what you're doing. It's really wonderful. And uh, keep cooking. That was Bill Wharton, a.k.a. The Sauce Boss. Tony, what did you think about the conversation there? It was good. Um, Great to hear the experience with music and food. And it's just a great relationship with the two. It's great to hear all the more charitable work he does as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. And if anybody wants to you know, know more about the organization, they can go to plantgumble.org. And um, also, too, I think the biggest thing that I've got, besides all the other stuff, the okra. You know, when I asked him the question about the okra and how, like, he knew the history, he talked about the history of the okra, being like African slaves had it in their hair. And that was a very interesting fact, right? Yeah, it was. That's something I didn't know. It's like okra is like the secret ingredient kind of thing. Well, not really secret, but the ultimate ingredient, the ideal ingredient, and it's the ingredient for the gumbo. So does that make you want to try some gumbo? I think I would. Um, It sounds really interesting to try. I looked at the ingredients prior and I thought it sounded pretty interesting. Oh, okay. And probably you can, like, give it to your partner. Maybe your partner can cook something up with that. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he would be interested. (laughs) Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of The Autistic Delicatessen. If you want to check out my other podcast, which is Inoculative Expressions, you can go on to inoculativeexpressions.podomag.com, as well as like my show on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash inoculativeexpressions. If you want to check out Autish, it's uh, com. If you want to look at the podcast, um, you can find it in there along with transcripts. For my tea blog, it's landofinfusion.wordpress.com. All my tea reviews are in that link provided. Well, until next time... What you eat, what you drink, is your story.